Hey there, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. Appreciate the fact that you guys have stomached Keith and I for as long as you have. We enjoy bringing the show your way and appreciate your patronage. Want to remind you, by the way, that the season ticket renewal deadline is rapidly approaching. It's in mid-April, April 15th. If you haven't renewed your season tickets for football, go ahead and do so for the 2022 season. A lot to like based on what we've seen so far at spring practice. For all the information, go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets. Uh, that's if you're going to renew. Or if you want to get tickets for the first time, you can get a reserve seat for all home games. Uh, they range in price from 330 bucks to 800 bucks uh, all in, depending on the seat location. Again, Seminoles.com backslash tickets to answer those questions as we count it down to the 2022 campaign. That said, let's count it down to the start of Front Row Knowles, which is right now. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Keith, good to see you, sir. How goes it? It goes, or as I like to say, it came and left, but I'm chasing it. <laughs> you have to really pay attention to understand what that means. It's uh, NFL Draft Week. I know you're excited. I'm sure you and Kathy already have the DVR set. Uh, not that you're going to, that's just so you can go back and watch the replay after you sit and watch all three days of coverage live, correct? Well, it's just it's just interesting. Obviously, we got spoiled during the dynasty years and even a little bit in Jimbo's years. You know, now you're you're kind of rooting for the kids. You know, you know, we've got four or five, maybe six kids that potentially could be, and none of them are locked in with the exception of Jermaine. And so you're just kind of rooting for the kids. It's not whether somebody falls or somebody rises, it's do they get their name called at all. Uh, hopefully we'll get back to that expectation being a little different uh, two, three, five years from now. But um, yeah, and that I, I just like watching it. That that number you mentioned that to me that's a number that in a best case scenario sticks on NFL rosters when all said and done, even if it's practice squad. Uh, Jermaine's going to get his name called, and then we'll just have to wait and see if right. one or to me it'd be maybe one or two sneak in and get called after that. Uh, like Keir and Jay Sean, but I don't know that both will. But yeah, it was it was it was certainly a, a different dynamic when eleven guys were going in the same draft. But but we're we'll head back that direction. I mean, there, there's better depth and talent on the team now. We're going to talk with Bob Ferrante next segment about uh, Jermaine Johnson. I don't remember a one year wonder at Florida State quite like what what he did. Maybe Scotty Barnes counts as a one-year wonder. He is the the reigning NBA rookie of the year, Keith, but a little bit different scenario than what uh what Jermaine came in with. You'd be hard pressed to find a football one-year wonder. There's no question. What'd you think about Scotty winning that award, by the way? You know, I don't follow the NBA that closely as our good friend Gene Deckerhoff says that 24 second game. I just don't follow it that closely. Uh, so I was I was basically a kid. I was basically a fan. Did he really win it? Did he win it? He really won it? Well, good for him. Yeah, no, I was excited. He's had a good year. He's gotten better as the year has gone by. Uh, I think the thing about him, and it was it was true here, he has fun when he plays, and he exudes that. And on top of the fact that, oh, by the way. He's pretty he, darn good. He can play defense, and he can yep. rebound, and he's a yep. scorer around the basket, and he's got long arms, and he can pass, and he's tall. 
And uh, his deficiency is that he he's still working on his shot, Keith. So uh, well, he's if only he ever, 16 if, years old, though, he's got plenty of time. Yeah, if he ever that gets that, that young. if he gets that at maximum efficiency, then look out because he's already started a, a pretty good career there. Uh, the biggest news, news I'm bearing the lead, Keith, and we're going to push it all the way back to our final segment. They have made an adjustment to the targeting rule in college football. And I know you are waiting to opine about this change. All celebrate in the block household because at least half of what you wanted got implemented or is going to be implemented. But you're right. We'll we'll wait and save that for uh, our fourth and final segment. All right. We'll start with Bob Franti. We'll talk NFL draft next right here on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Bob Hobson, and our spring super sale is going on now. With 0% available, you can't go wrong. People always ask us, how do you sell so many cars, trucks, and SUVs? We just make it easy. You always get the best price the first time, always more for your trade-in, and the best financing available. Not in the market? We'll buy your trade-in. Come by for a free five-minute appraisal to get top dollars. We just make it easy in Cairo, Georgia. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you, and we are going to... Open this thing wide open, this thing being the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Doing well. Ready to hit the open road, and let's uh, let's hit the accelerator and go wide open. Let, let's ask it. Good, good. Well, let's ask a question here. As far as the NFL draft goes, and that's where we're going to start, uh, I recall personally when it used to be on Saturday and Sunday, uh, I and, and maybe this, not maybe, it was definitely – pre-marriage pre-kids it was it was viewing for the entire day there might have been a few adult beverages involved but uh i'd be lined up with my buddies and we'd watch the whole thing bob keith were you guys similar or was that just me i i love the saturday sunday format because you you knew what you were doing all weekend i mean if you had to get anything done in the morning you were getting it done whether it was errands or, or cooking or getting the meals and the the party the draft party ready I, I like the Saturday Sunday format, but I, I do understand the NFL wanting to hit those uh, prime time windows to get some good ratings at nights. Guys, I gotta I gotta admit I didn't watch the draft. I, I got up Sunday morning and see see who went in the early rounds, and I'd get up on uh, Monday morning and see who everybody else was. And I only started watching the draft when they went to the new format. Okay, well that's good. That's because wife kids were involved at the time that uh, we're discussing here probably keith but well so now you want me to do my dance tom you want me to do my dance no i know you don't have to do that no more we've established that fact on here (laughs) Uh, and we're going to discuss the targeting rule uh in depth and 
uh, I may be targeting you if you do that dance again. All right. So, Bob, the, the biggest story here for Florida State, it, it's not so big now because we saw his season play out. But a year ago when we thought that Jermaine was going to be an impact player for Florida State, I seem to recall the conversation was, you know, maybe he's uh, an early round draft pick or something like that. But there was no conversation that indicated he might be the first defensive end off the board and maybe even sneak into the top five. I mean, that, that's kind of where we are right now as, as we talk uh, with the, the draft imminently approaching. When we first saw him in the spring, I think we, we felt like this was a different guy physically from a size, athleticism, you know, just advanced moves from, from say, what Florida State's current defensive ends had. But no, nobody really saw this guy becoming, um, you know, double-digit sacks, uh, impacting the quarterback, you know, play after play, becoming an ACC Defensive Player of the Year. No, I don't think anybody really saw this coming. But, but you did see early, I think, the, the physical traits, the leadership qualities, um, really meeting him for the first time face to face at ACC kickoff last July, um, I, I was I was blown away by just the maturity, how he could hold a conversation and just be very confident, very assertive, telling his story about his journey, about being a kid, you know, who grades weren't important coming out of Minnesota, bet on himself, went JUCO, became the top player in the country out of the JUCO ranks, and then got a chance to kind of pick where he could go. And, and he got that chance twice between Georgia and Florida state. And now come Thursday night, he's not going to get the pick of where he can be, but he's, he's going to be a, a very high first round pick. And let me tell you guys, two things he's done. Number one, he has shown maturity. The other kids that might be a little higher on the uh, totem pole, as they say, from a size and strength and speed standpoint, they don't hold a candle to him once those pro professional development folks talk to him. And number two, he sees that opportunity in the senior bowl in front of all those NFL guys to uh, demonstrate that he knew what being a pro was all about. And, and I think that has made his uh, ascension up the draft list uh, as much as anything that is on tape. Agree? Disagree? I don't know that there's been – anything to slow his momentum since last spring, Keith. I mean, every piece of game tape he put out there was solid, and then it's just gotten better in the offseason, whether it's the the combine or, as you mentioned, the senior bowl or his meetings that he had with teams. I mean, I, I can't even think of a misstep he's made. I also, and, and we talked about this a little bit during the season probably, I can't think of somebody coming to a place for 11 months and leaving a legacy where he's going to go down. He's already one of FSU fans' most most memorable, most favorite players. And the guy showed up in January and was done playing by Thanksgiving, you know, or Thanksgiving weekend. It's just crazy to think about what he crammed into that time. I think in, in part two, you know, to, to build on that point, setting a standard for the younger guys in the room and then helping to recruit a guy like Jared Verse. And, and that storyline's kind of played out. Jared's talked about a lot that he got to initially talk to Jermaine and Kier about different things, you know, one about, what it's like to play for Norvell, what it's like to play for the assistants, what it's like to be a student athlete at Florida State and all that. I mean, leaving a, a legacy that is continuing based on the players who are on the field, going through strength and conditioning, um, and, and a guy like Jared Verse who's just starting his Florida State career. So Jermaine is, is definitely 
you want to say maximizing that that one calendar year, he, he's certainly done it. It took me a little while to look this up. I apologize. I was scanning through the media guide. But so Andre Wadsworth went third overall and Peter Bulware went fourth overall. So I don't know that he's going to get there, but he's 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 at the top of the list in terms of of top flight top-notch defensive ends that have come out of FSU, assuming that he, he gets that. Now, I don't want to set this up. If the, if the guy goes 14th, it's still been a heck of a ride and a heck of a climb, um, and everybody's in the poker-playing phase of the NFL draft. But I guess I'm just reiterating the same point, Bob. It's pretty elite company that, that we're talking about him with those sort of names and FSU greats. Yeah, and it, it's impressive. I think a lot of people are you know saying that he's done this and that in just one year, but I think it also – maybe diminishes again his journey and and what he did to get to this point how he you know built himself through hard work you have to really love to play the game if you're going to play junior college football because you're you're not living in the most luxurious dorms and you're on buses everywhere and and you're you're again betting on yourself I I think yeah he's got a chance to be up there with some of the greats in Florida State history he'll be I think the first in the top 15 since Jalen Ramsey you know, and that's been uh, 2016. So, so this is a guy who's who's certainly up there in terms of, you know, the FSU greats on the defensive side of the ball. And guys, if you talk to the FSU folks, they'll tell you changing gears. They'll tell you that Keir Thomas, in their minds, might not be that far behind him. But I think we have to recognize that all the other outside folks have him a little farther down that uh, proverbial totem pole. Uh, but but maybe just maybe somebody takes a chance on it. I think you you almost have to put the asterisk by it of when healthy, Keir Thomas is really really good, and, and his problem has been that that he has battled injuries at South Carolina. He didn't practice last spring. He suffered a hamstring injury at pro day back <clears> in March, and that that pro day injury, talking with his agent a little bit earlier on Tuesday it has limited those personal workouts, those opportunities for him to do a little bit more. And in Keir's case, I I think it was a bad decision. He didn't get to go to the NFL combine. He was not invited. But again, the guys who go to the combine are those who are requested by the NFL teams. So not enough teams felt like Keir was up there at that point. I, I feel like Keir will probably drop just because he hasn't had those opportunities to work out in front of teams. But when he has those chances on the phone, FaceTime, Zoom, when they look over his film between South Carolina and Florida State, I think you're going to see a guy who it's worth a chance taking a flyer on him, however late you're, you're willing to take that flyer. Or at the very worst, he, he's a priority free agent. He's a guy who can, if he doesn't get drafted, he can almost name which spot fits best for him. Four, three, three, four. He's played a little bit of both. So I think there are some opportunities for Kier it's really just he's got to take care of that body and get as healthy as possible because once these camps start rolling up, he's got to be ready to go. What about Jay Sean Corbin? To me, he he's going to make a roster and he'll stick for a little bit. But the way the NFL changes running backs, that's a pr- that's a pretty short life. So it's going it's a battle of can you stay long enough to qualify for the pension, right? I mean, first he's got to get make a team, but is he going to get drafted? Yeah, I've seen th- those few um, what's called NFL mock draft masochists who put out seven round mock drafts. I, I mean, some of those guys have have got them really late, you know, fifth, sixth round. Some of them um, have them as a free agent. 
I think similar situation to Kier in that he's going to have opportunities. Um, the good thing for Jay Sean is fully healthy, looked great at pro day. He's had some personal workouts. Um, I like what he can offer. I can fully understand why he didn't come back to Florida State because your running back and longevity is just not there in the NFL. Uh, the NFL is not going to reward you for that position. And, and certainly he's had a nice run in college and, and he felt like it was just time for him. Now, guys, two other guys I have on my list, I think one of them is going to surprise. I don't know which one it is. But, um, you know, Emmett Rice has just been dogged the last two years with injuries. Uh, we, we don't know who he is or what he is. Maybe a little undersized, but uh, is a good football player to begin with and just hasn't had the opportunity. And Parchment, the wide receiver, you know, he fits that build because of his size. And, and NFL teams will take a chance on somebody that can play football, and they'll take a chance on somebody that has the size. And maybe if they're a little patient with them, one or both of those kids can end up doing a little bit for themselves. What do you think? Yeah, I would say I'm higher on Rice just because I think we saw him get better as that 2020 season progressed. We really saw as as he had time in that defense, it, it built. You could see his his skill set was matching what they wanted to do as a coaching staff, what they were trying to do week to week within the game plan. It felt like he was a guy who through practice last fall was trying desperately to get back on the field and just just could not do it. So you kind of feel for somebody who wants to finish his college career for a, a program that he that he loves and he's embraced through multiple coaching staffs, multiple um, multiple assistant coaches. So I, you have to love, again, the desire that he has to play the sport of football. I do think he'll get a chance. I really do. The flip side with Parchment is when the ball is there and thrown on his hands, when he has used the speed to get down the field and get open or get separation, he has failed to come down with the ball. And, and we've just seen it in pro day, um, two passes that McKenzie put right there. I don't know what it is specifically with him because from a talent standpoint, he's got it. Um, he could be a little bit more physical, a little bit thicker, maybe put some more weight on the body for sure. He can get open on, on that deep fly, but he just doesn't come down with the ball. And, and if he's just not showing those scouts enough, I think you're looking at a guy who maybe has to go to Canada or another league just to keep building what he has, what he's shown on tape. He had that great year at Kansas. He had that great catch, fourth and 14 against Miami, and everybody's going to remember him for it but he's got to keep building a little bit more, I think, in the eyes of the pro scouts. Great year at Kansas is not a phrase you hear uttered all that often, Bob, just so you know. Basketball. You mentioned, that, you mentioned the name I, I was going to ask you about, though, Mackenzie Milton. I, I'm curious here, uh, given the catastrophic injury that he came back from, that, does he stick on a practice squad? Does somebody like what they see? Is he, uh, is he more recovered than, than what we saw last fall when he seemed still limited to some degree? You know, before pro day, I thought there's just there's just no way. And after pro day, I thought, well, if he's really open minded, if he's really willing to commit to making football work for him on the field and not as a coach and not as part of a NIL collective. And he's doing a great job with that. But if he's willing to commit to it full time and give it everything he's got, I, I do think he's got a shot to stick around on a practice squad and, and see what happens. 
is he going to have the overwhelming arm talent and everything that goes into it? Probably not. Is he going to be one of the best students in a quarterback room who can maybe just soak up just enough to, to get himself on the field in some preseason games to show some guys what he can do on the practice field? Maybe. Um, again, I, I wonder if, if he doesn't make Canada a run down the road, if he doesn't try to go to another pro league, or does he really say, I'm getting into coaching, I'm going to be on the NIL side of the business, that's really where I just see myself, my my life, and my career going. Guys, I pulled, I'm not even going to tell you who it is, but I pulled the following analysis on uh, McKenzie. Releases the ball with a bit of a sidearm delivery, lacks next-level arm strength. Very exciting college signal caller who did a great job leading the offense and keeping his team in games. Yet, even prior to his devastating injury, he lacked the physical skills for the next level. So somebody thinks highly of him, huh? <laughs> and I think that's if you're fair. looking for I mean, a guy. You know, I'm, I was trying to think to myself. You know, who would he be like that our listeners would would know? And I was thinking of guys like Doug Flutie. Well, you know, Flutie won a Heisman Trophy last time I checked. Uh, you mentioned Canada. I think of Danny McManus. Well, Danny played 400 years in Canada and threw for 8 million miles. You know, that might not be a fair comparison. Um, I, I don't know who he could potentially be like, but he is somebody you would want to root for that story. Would, it, would, would you not? Definitely. 100%. Definitely. Bob, I'm going to ask you to hang on through the break. We'll talk about other things Florida State related. Uh, appreciate the football insight, though. We uh, have much more to go. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owner's agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We'll move on from football now as uh, we keep that Earl Bacon Agency hotline open, continue our conversation with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferranti. A reminder, go to theosceola.com. You can subscribe for just $6.95 a month. Bob, there's a a lot of uh, other things to discuss related to Florida State. Uh, I guess we should start with the soccer coach. It was big news when Mark Ricoria moved on. Certainly big news that a hire has been made. What's your impressions of uh, the first hire of the Michael Alford career? Well, I guess that's not true because Brooke Wyckoff came in. He's had a busy spring. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty special for him when he has to to make two head coaching decisions right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I you know early impressions of Brian Penske have been very very positive. Um, you know, sort of the backstory is when Dave Hart was at Tennessee again, former FSU athletic director. When Dave Hart was at Tennessee, he called Mark Krikorian and said, "I have an opening for a soccer coach here at, at Tennessee in Knoxville. Who should I be looking at?" And Mark said. Well, this, this Brian Penske guy at Maryland is, is really, really good. You need to talk to him. Well, 10 years later, Brian Penske's had some success in, in Tennessee, won an SEC title, back-to-back division titles, not on the same caliber of soccer conference in the SEC as the ACC, but give him credit for what he's done in a, in a more difficult situation to, to build something of significance. Um, and now here, here's Brian coming back to Tallahassee and, and Dave Hart, you know, talked with Jerry Cutts the other day and, you know, Dave spoke very glowingly over who Brian is, how he built a program, um, lots of superlatives and adjectives for, for who he is and, and what he's done. I, I think we have to almost get past the fact that Mark Krikorian is no longer going to be on the sideline for the soccer program and, and maybe get a chance to listen to Brian a little bit more about who he is, how, how he builds programs. In this case, it's, it's nothing difficult to build. It's already there. You're coming off a national championship and, and you just really need to talk to some young ladies who are, are coming off a, a title in December and, and just kind of sell them on who you are and, and how you're going to do things in Tallahassee. If he doesn't change too much, I, I think he'll do pretty, pretty well. The, the timeline and the, the history is interesting because at least within a year, but maybe in the same year, he was elevated to the head coach at Maryland at the same time that Coach K was hired at Florida State. And our listeners will remember that that's when Maryland was still in the ACC. So Coach Kikorian, you know, cut his teeth in the ACC at the same time that Brian did. And then, as you mentioned, the connection with Dave Hart, uh, he spent 10 years at Tennessee. It did not take him long. When, uh, as I was under, as I understand it, when when Florida State reached out, it did not take him long to return the telephone call and engage in some serious conversation. Uh, Tom and I were talking prior to coming on the air. I think the interesting thing is going to be his demeanor and and how he how he coaches because I don't think you can get a more beloved coach while at the same time respected. I mean, Coach K could could put the put the law down. Those ladies understood who was in charge. But you're going from a, a coach that it was very much considered a player's coach. It'll be interesting to see what Brian's demeanor is and how that gets woven into the fabric that is FSU. How long we've been doing Zoom and I just left myself on mute. I've unmuted twice. Can you hear me now? Yeah, can, can, you hear hear me now? Now. can you hear can me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, one of these years, I'll get the hang of it, right? Uh, speaking of coaches, Bob, there's a new men's basketball assistant. Big shoes to fill there. Uh, I, if I was him, I would start by coining a phrase as cool as new bloods, you know, just to get some some cred. But but what do we know about uh, the latest addition to Leonard's staff? Yeah, RJ Barsh is, um, is a guy who is – at Boise State, and, and you think, well, why is Coach Hamilton hiring an assistant coach from out west? Um, he's got connections through Florida, having coached at Southeastern, number of other schools. Um, so, so Coach Hamilton has known RJ for 
going back more than a decade. Um, and, and it sounds like Coach Hamilton kind of had a list, knowing that eventually he might have to replace an assistant coach. And um, I, I think I think RJ was on the list, very very high on the list, and and was ready to to hire somebody that, that he knows well. And, and again, I think we've all referenced this. Leonard Hamilton knows almost everybody in the basketball business, and his iPhone contact list is undefeated. So if he felt like this is the right guy, and and, and we we have to figure that Leonard Hamilton's vetted this one pretty darn well. I think this is a good candidate. Um, now look, are we going to miss Charlton Young, who's coined not just new bloods, but one of my favorites is high character Jim Rats. Um, when he said that the first time, I, I laughed too long. But CY is going to be missed as a guy who, from Miami, recruited Florida and Georgia really, really well. Um, <laughs> it's wrong to say these are big shoes to fill, but you have to find the right guy who's who's kind of willing to come in and and learn from Coach Hamilton and be that aggressive recruiter. That, that the staff really, really needs. Well, guys, not to disagree with you, but CY did not have big feet. He did not wear a big shoe. He was not a clown. <laughs> and by the way, parallel, did you see who Dennis hired at Missouri? CY. Tom, you may not even remember this guy. Remember Coach oh. Nutt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you mean in addition to Charlton. In addition to CY. I yeah. mean, he's putting together the former Florida State staff out there in uh, Mizzou. I did, I did see that. But let's move to a, to a different topic. This one may be uh, uh, not necessarily as happy given what happened at Clemson this past weekend, Bob. But uh, just when we thought the baseball team had turned things around, they turned them around the other way. Uh, so the only thing that's consistent is inconsistency. What do you think? I think the eighth inning of Sunday's game was really painful to watch with three errors of pass, um, you know, pass ball. It, it, it was rough. Um, I, here's my thing about this team, and I've kind of felt this way since the start. If you're going to have Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard, you've got a chance to beat anybody in any weekend series, whether it's in Tallahassee or somewhere else. But after that, you, you start to wonder about the consistency of, of certain pieces that you have, whether it's fielding, hitting. Um, we saw a base running mistake by Tyler Martin even you know, on Sunday, and not to just pin one mistake and kind of blow that out of proportion, but this is a team that's made some fundamental mistakes en route to losses. And they've also made some great comebacks. So it's an up and down team. I've decided long ago not to predict or project how these teams will will play out in the postseason because 2017 and 19 has showed us that just about anything can happen regardless of how you're you're playing. Yeah, right now it doesn't look great. But the weekends always kind of give me a reason to go to the ballpark. I think it's because of guys like like Parker and then Bryce. And, and we'll see what happens with that number three spot because because Carson really did struggle, and I think they've got they've got a big question mark. It, it's in a Tyler's big defense. In Tyler's defense, that was the first time he'd been on the base pass in about nine months. I think he might have been going <laughs> counterclockwise instead of, or, uh, or clockwise instead of counterclockwise. I think the thing, my takeaway, Tom, I'd be interested in your opinion, but my takeaway is you've got to be excited about this ball club because their issue is not talent from the standpoint they have shown talent. Their issue is inconsistency. And just like we talk about on the football side, the one thing you can control on the football side is your effort. Well, one of the things you can improve, even if you can't throw the ball any farther, any harder, you can't see it any better, you can't run any faster, 
is your consistency. I mean, that is an opportunity in a way, uh, way towards improvement. So I'm excited about it. They get hot at the right time. This is an exciting team to watch. I, I will say this. We always, uh, well, maybe we don't always lose track of it, but once exams are over, and this is exam week at FSU, all the baseball players have to do for however long their season goes is baseball. Because generally speaking, they're not taking classes over the summer. That may not be completely true, but there's more time for baseball. And so when you look at some of the runs, you referenced 17 and 19, Bob, when they've gotten hot in May, uh, there haven't been other stressors in there. Well, they might have had other stressors, but it's not necessarily academics in the classroom, right? So maybe we'll see that. I think they got to figure out what they're going to do with that number three starter and what they're going to do with Jonas Galaro. Uh, could you start him? I mean, the one start he got, he ate up some innings. Uh, you know, and get, and get somebody that's more lights out at the back end. That to me is what they gotta gotta nail down. Um, I thought the defense. I thought the defense would be better this year based on some of the changes that they made. But I think they're fielding lower right now than they were last year uh, over the course of the season. So, well, after a five error game, that's going to hurt the percentage for sure. Um, I don't know. They got TCU this weekend. It's a chance to turn it back on. And, and go from there. But I, I do think there's good parts and pieces there, Keith, but it just hasn't all come to fruition yet, at least not consistently enough, to your point. Bob, I mentioned exam week. That's followed by commencement. Uh, any graduation stories of no, – Jordan Travis is graduating, is he not? I feel like he's – I don't know if he's walking, but he's graduating this semester. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I've asked for a graduation list from Florida State, just haven't received it yet. I, I know Jordan Travis is on that list. There's a number of basketball guys who are either – going to get that first degree or or even a second one uh congrats to them on a either a second bachelor's or a master's degree so yeah hopefully we'll have that full list uh later in the week as we get closer Wyatt Wilkes is getting his doctorate isn't he he's been here that long <laughs> yeah Wyatt and um well I mean Anthony Polite's been here a long time yeah um I was trying to figure out what what Wyatt's doing next I, I was told he's either going to be a, a coach, a businessman, an entrepreneur. Uh, he, he's got a lot of things going. So it, Wyatt definitely has has choices. That, that's great to hear. <laughs> Anything else, Bob, before we let you go here in terms of the world of FSU athletics? Uh, our listeners would know that there's not competition during exam weeks. So there's not games this week. I guess we take it so much for granted. Oh, by the way, Lonnie Alameda's team is now like 112 and five on the year or something like that. So they, things seem to be going pretty well on that diamond. <laughs> Yeah, they've got the best start in, in program history and um, playing Oklahoma State Thursday and Friday night, which is, again, another good you know series. Um, I think we all remember in, in parts them playing Oklahoma State in a super regional and then, uh, you know, out, out in uh, OKC. So good series leading up uh, into the stretch run for ACC play for the Seminoles. All right. Here's our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. We uh, will pay you double this time, uh, Bob, for for two segments. Check with accounting about that after you uh, finish up the, your appearance today, okay? All right, PayPal, PayPal. There you go. Keith's more of a Venmo guy. You, 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 neither one of you are getting paid, pals. <laughs> <laughs> I think I teed that one up for you, KJ. <laughs> we'll take a break, come back, and wrap up Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Bob Hobson, and our spring super sale is going on now. With 0% available, you can't go wrong. People always ask us, how do you sell so many cars, trucks, and SUVs? We just make it easy. You always get the best price the first time, always more for your trade-in, and the best financing available. Not in the market? We'll buy your trade-in. Come by for a free five-minute appraisal and get top dollars. 
We just make it easy in Cairo, Georgia. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owners agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles as we finish things up, Tom and Keith with you. Thanks to Bob Ferrante for working overtime for us today. Busy time considering it's exam week and not a lot going on on the field or the court this week. But uh, the end of the semester, Keith, means there's uh, lots of teams whose seasons are are getting close to the postseason crunch, which is a fun time for sure. Uh, I know annually it's become a tradition now that everybody wants to spend a, a week in well, really two weeks over late May and, and early June uh, being glued to the TV or device to watch Lonnie Alameda's team captivate Seminole Nation. And with, with the year they're having, it feels like that might happen again. I hadn't really paid close enough attention. I knew they were doing very well, but but Bob mentioned that this is the best start in program history in terms of wins and losses. Uh, I, I just hadn't kept up with that. So apologies to the ladies. All right, Keith, we put it off long enough. Let's talk targeting. Apologies, little disclaimer here to everybody that's been listening to this show since 2013, because this will sound much like segments Keith and I did in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, probably multiple times over the course of the year. Is that fair, Keith? Uh, That is an extremely accurate synopsis. Yeah, so we'll try to put it in different words, but the premise is the same. First, Keith, uh, enlighten our listeners if they're not aware, and good for you if you're not aware because you're not paying attention to NCAA rule changes. What is the change as it relates to the targeting rule in college football? Well, the biggest change uh, revolves around the fact that if you are charged with targeting and it's reviewed and it's upheld in the first half, you will have to sit out the second half of the game that is taking place. However, if you're flagged and it's upheld for targeting in the second half of a ball game, you are not automatically suspended for the first half of the following game. It will go to review or, if you will, a second review or a conference review, however you want to do it. I'm not sure they've even worked out all the details. But if they determine that it wasn't egregious, and I think they're going to have to redefine whatever that term means, then there is the chance that you would not be suspended for the first half of the following game based on the new uh, rule and the way they're implementing it. All right. Where would you like to meet me to start in, in my uh, response, Keith? I would like to start and I would like for you to start in the first half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> first of all, since you don't get a chance to review if it happened in the first half, you may have technically had it there been a review, you may have been allowed to play the second half. So I think that anybody in that scenario should still review. And if it's your senior year, you can come back and play one half of football in the following season. Uh, just kidding. Uh, also related. 
a suspension should not carry over to the next season. They could have tweaked that too. If it's November 30th and you get suspended for targeting, we don't need to have that carry over till September 5th the next year. Let's that's what, about just the, what about the bowl game? Same bowl game, whatever. Or it doesn't need to carry game. over to the next season. But let's go back to the biggest point here, Keith. Uh, so, so one of the changes though, and this is significant because this has long been what I've, what I've lobbied for related to, uh, we need a national body of officials so that rules are enforced the same way right now. If you talk an FSU player gets, uh, tossed for targeting in the second half of a game, that's based on a decision made by the ACC officials and Greensboro and an ACC officiating crew. If you then send it to review, it's going to go to the national organization who might have a different interpretation. So there is hope. You're not, you're not sending the review to the same folks, but that means that the reviews are going to be more consistently administered, whether it came from the PAC 12 or the big 10 or the ACC, uh, which again, I, I just restating it. If we had a national body of officials, that would help in general, because when you watched an SEC game, you'd see holding enforced in theory, pretty similar to the way it's called in the ACC, instead of everything being all over the map. The bigger point, Keith, that I have always made, and it's now now that we have more camera angles and better technology, it just means the delays are longer, even though there is a time limit in theory on how long these delays can go. If you've already set it up to go to review, just automatically kick every targeting call to review don't don't kick anybody out of the game. March off the 15 yards. Boom! It just goes into review. The league office, the national body, five people sitting at the Waffle House, whoever it is, can determine if there should be a suspension for that player the next week, and you can enforce it consistently. So, under your scenario, if you were guilty of targeting, you would always miss two halves of a ball game. You'd miss a complete ball game. No, under the it, new rule, under the new rule as proposed and implemented, you could be targeted in the second half, not upheld, if you will, by the national review and play in the next game. Yeah. So let me think about that. Maybe you're correct in what you said. My main point is stop wasting five minutes during the game to look at a split second decision and let somebody arbiter just judge all that on Sunday, like the, just like the NFL doles out fines for vicious hits. When a guy makes a hit in an NFL game and you look at it and go, oh, he's going to get fined, they don't toss him out of the game. They flag it. They figure it out later at the NFL office. We should be doing the same thing with targeting. As How about this for a compromise? Half- How about this for a compromise? You, okay, get tar- you, you get called for targeting. You have to sit out the rest of that series. The booth makes a call and determines whether you can come back for the next series and the rest of the ball game. Well, I mean, that would be interesting. Then, then the networks could tease as they go to commercial break. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll find out if Keith Jones is eligible to play the rest of this ball game. Our targeting review is up next. That sort of thing. Sponsored by Aflac. Exactly. I, I kid, <laughs> Keith, but that would be a better use of my time. Just continue playing the game. No, coaches wouldn't like that because if it's your best player, you know, Derwin James, when he had – I remember a game at Wake when we're all holding our breath, is Derwin in or, or not, you know? Um, it, it, that also they, – they they still need to figure out what they're going to do with the faking injuries thing, Keith. You mentioned that a guy would miss a series. That's what they need to do with the, with the injury situation. Well, they, and that's, they, have, they have tweaked that injury rule. And there will be some potential penalties. Now, I don't know that they'll be on the field that particular game. And I haven't read all of the dialogue on it, but that also was addressed by the committee. And there are some proposed changes to that that we'll start seeing beginning in the fall. 
Yeah, I think basically teams can now turn in other teams if they have some sort of evidence that they were faking the injury. I'm not sure what that evidence might be. Maybe the injured player, allegedly injured player, laughing on the sideline five seconds later and you happen to have a screen grab of that or something. I'm not sure I'm Not sure what it is. But anyway, as it relates to targeting, they're trying. It's still not, it's not getting a lot better. But, you know, another way to do it, Keith, for all reviews, just let's set, let's put up a shot clock can be longer than the 24 seconds you referenced at the top of the show. We can give it 60 seconds. And when the clock hits zero, if they haven't made up their mind, we just snap the ball and play the next play. We just go on. <laughs> so you're in char- You're in favor of the pitch clock in baseball too, huh? I'm just in favor of not stopping play to f- determine if it should be fourth and eight or fourth and seven and a half and taking Spoken three. Spoken by someone who has finally gone through T-ball. And taking three minutes to get an answer to that question. Spoken by a father that has finally gone through T-ball season completely. Keith doesn't have to do that anymore, nor, nor do I, for that matter. We're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week.